coming up on the Mission Readiness Podcast. We all know that a hungry child can't learn, and we all know that with good nutrition, kids do much better academically as well as in terms of their health and development. So in other words, that one lifestyle change, swapping out sugary drinks and choosing water instead can be a really powerful tool for health. And again, this is, this is why we really make a priority of it. Mission Readiness is the organization of retired admirals and generals working to prepare America's youth for success. Join us as we talk with respected leaders about the challenges facing our next generation. And now, Mission Readiness Deputy Director Megan Adamchesky and Mission Readiness Membership Director Jake Ferreira. Well, Jake, I'm really excited about the podcast conversation that we had today. You know, before you lived in Massachusetts, you were in California, and you these are two people that you worked with really closely in California. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about them? Sure, yeah. Just the privilege of working with Dr. Christina and Mr. Ken Hecht while I was in California, and now still leveraging their expertise as we continue to focus on priority efforts, both uh, at the state and the federal level is a real treat. Um, They're wonderful, wonderful people. They really believe in mission readiness, and I'm excited for them to share some of their experience um, with our listeners and to talk about really important issues that impact kids in California where they reside and across the nation. Yeah, they provide some really interesting perspective on drinking water issues. And like you said, also on nutrition issues that we focus on. And I'm excited for everyone to get to hear the interview. So without further ado, we will lead in straight to the interview. Today on the Mission Readiness Podcast, we are thrilled to welcome Dr. Christina and Mr. Ken Hecht. Normally, the phrase power couple is reserved for celebrities, politicians, or athletes. In the field of nutrition policy, the HECs are without a doubt a power couple. They've dedicated their professional lives to making a positive impact on current and future generations of children, ensuring they have every opportunity to grow up healthy and prepared for success. One of the many cool things about the HECs is they currently work together at the Nutrition Policy Institute at the University of California. Dr. Christina Heck is a senior policy advisor and her primary focus is on healthy beverages as she leads NPI's work in drinking water safety, access and promotion. Christina also helps lead the National Drinking Water Alliance, a network of individuals and organizations across the US working to ensure that all children can drink water in the places where they live, learn and play. And Ken Heck currently serves as the director of policy for NPI. He focuses on federal food programs with special attention to early childhood. Ken has a tremendous background as a legal services attorney and as a nutrition advocate. He was one of the co-founders of the California Food Policy Advocates, now known as Nourish California, a statewide nutrition policy and advocacy organization. And he's also a veteran of the United States Navy. Christina and Ken, thank you for taking time to join the Mission Readiness Podcast. How are you both doing? We are great, and it is our pleasure to be here with you today. Yeah, thanks, Jake. 
Well, we're so excited to have you both here today. And as Jake mentioned in his introduction, both of you have really impressive professional careers and have dedicated your careers to supporting the health of children and families in California, but also your work helps people across the nation. And we're so excited to work with you. So we just love to hear from both of you and know what led you to this line of work and kind of how did you really get started in this space? I'm actually going to let Ken tell a great story about that. Well, about 20 years ago, uh, a student who was doing her graduate work down in Los Angeles noticed in some in intermediate schools in LA that there was no drinking water. And she asked folks why there wasn't. And the administrators told her that uh, USDA wouldn't permit it because they insisted that only milk be on the line or that, and or that there were contracts with uh, soda companies that prohibited the, uh, the sale of, or even the giving away of water in schools. And both of those reasons were completely wrong. And we were in a very difficult budget period in California at the time. And so we drafted a bill that said only that those two things were wrong and that people should promote water if they wanted to. And uh, passed the legislature and went to the governor, who was Arnold Schwarzenegger at the time. And he said, well, this is kind of trivial. Why don't you all work it out? And so after that, the Department of Education did a survey of schools in California and discovered that about 50% of the schools had no free drinking water available to kids while they were eating meals. And we went back to the governor with that statistic. And he said, I love water. And that was that. It was the bodybuilder talking to us and, uh, and he became the uh, sponsor of the bill. And of course it sailed through the legislature. And that was the very first requirement for water in K-12 schools and then in childcare as well, and became the prototype for what happened at the national level in 2010 with reauthorization of child nutrition, which we call the Healthy Hunger-Free Kids Act. The rest is history. That's amazing. And it's been a privilege to work with you both on water since then and see the progress that has been made. As mentioned, we've been really thrilled to be able to work with you both on a number of different projects and priorities and seeing firsthand the critical role that NPI plays in presenting evidence-based recommendation solutions for healthy food, healthy people, and healthy places. And for those who are listening, they may not be familiar with the work of NPI. So I'd love to hear from both of you details about the organization and how you go about achieving its mission. Well, Nutrition Policy Institute is part of the University of California, and we're in the statewide arm of the university system. In other words, the Division of Agriculture and Natural Resources, which runs Cooperative Extension and other programs like that. And at NPI, we were doing strategic planning six or seven years ago now, and we were thinking about all the effort that was going into reducing the consumption of sugary beverages and asked ourselves whether there needed to be a complementary activity to promote drinking water access and education. And we decided that that was a niche that needed filling. And then as we thought about the best way to fill that niche, we thought that maybe we needed to pull together partners and stakeholders that touched on all different elements of drinking water issues. And we had a meeting and Jake, I think you may have attended that first meeting. I remember it well. <laughs> 
at that meeting, we pulled together 30, 35 folks from all around the country who had something to do with drinking water. And we agreed together that we should form something called the National Drinking Water Alliance. And the uh, common agenda of the alliance is that drinking water is healthier than drinking sugar-sweetened beverages or sugary drinks. Giving a little broader view to Nutrition Policy Institute, uh, again, as Jake knows well, I, I worked in food advocacy for a long time. And what became increasingly clear was that the researchers knew things that they wanted to tell legislators and that legislators needed to hear things that they didn't know but wanted to know. And so the purpose of NPI, I think overall, was to make sure that it engaged in research that had a nexus with policy that was designed for policymakers, that was translated into language that made sense to policymakers, and that got there quickly at a time when they were considering legislation. And we've tried to do that ever since. There are wonderful examples with water, which Christina can give you. Uh, there's a current example uh, in California. We've just had the enormous fortune to have the state adopt a plan called free school meals for all. And what that means is that California will be the first state in the country to offer a free breakfast and a free lunch to every child who comes to school. We all know that a hungry child can't learn, and we all know that with good nutrition, kids do much better academically as well as in terms of their health and development. So it, it, it is just an enormous sea change to, to what's been happening around the country with, with school meals. And it gives us an opportunity and the state is insistent that we help them with the opportunity to document what's going to happen so that we'll then have a record, both in terms of data and in terms of stories that other states can build on. And, and that we hope eventually, not too far in the future, the national government will build on as well. So it's a very exciting time and a wonderful opportunity for research and policy to be working together. I just wanna add that of course, the National School Lunch Program started when uh, back in World War II days, when not enough young men were fit to serve because they were poorly nourished. And you all are building on that now. And this preschool meals for all fits so well with mission readiness and Council for a Strong America priorities. And then to push what Christina said just a little further, while the school lunch program originally uh, was developed because there weren't enough people with enough nourishment to qualify for military service, now the problem is that there are too many kids who have too many calories to, apply, to be accepted into military service and into many other occupations. And it's a perfect opportunity for you all to do, to continue doing what you've been doing, which is to bring that story to the Congress. No one has a more respected voice than mission readiness. And, and for those people to engage their representatives and senators in this story uh, and what they need uh, in terms of healthy food, not just calories is, is just indispensable. Yeah, you really hit the nail on the head there for why our members are so passionate about this issue and why they continue on that tradition that military leaders set in the 1940s. So appreciate you bringing that up for us. 
now, Christina, I want to take a step back. You know, you've dedicated a significant amount of your career and time and leadership to safe drinking water, which you've already talked about. But I really want our listeners to be able to understand why it's so important for young people to have access to drinking water and why that's important specifically in the context of them avoiding consumption of sugar-sweetened beverages. Sure, Megan. Thank you. I'll give a few examples. Water is so important, and that's because, just as you said, it's a healthy substitute for sugary drinks. I might add that it's a more environmentally friendly beverage as well. Sugary drinks are the largest single source of added sugars in the American diet, and we have an extensive evidence base on the many health risks of consuming too much added sugar. To make it worse, sugary drinks are uniquely harmful because of how liquid sugars are processed in the body. So in other words, that one lifestyle change, swapping out sugary drinks and choosing water instead can be a really powerful tool for health. And again, this is, this is why we really make a priority of it. I wanna give you an example. UC San Francisco banned sugary drink sales throughout their campus. And they studied staff 10 months later, looking at staff who had previously been sugary drink or who had been sugary drink consumers. They found that consumption declined by almost 50%. And get ready for this, two thirds of staff saw an average of almost one inch decrease in their waistlines. The staff biomarkers for diabetes also improved. So that's great evidence of a policy change a procurement policy change and the um, impact on staff health. Of course, water is good in and, of, in and of itself. For example, it helps to maintain a healthy pH in the mouth, reducing the risk of dental decay. And dental decay is the most common chronic disease among American children. Megan, does that give you a few answers to your question? That does. It's very interesting to hear. I know for me, especially hearing about the biomarkers for diabetes, that's a very interesting point. Can you talk a little bit more about what water-related issues you're focusing on today? Well, working with partners such as Mission Readiness, we've succeeded in bringing more attention to drinking water. And here are two current areas for advocacy. The first is infrastructure. As you know, right now, Congress is looking at very important actions for safety in the infrastructure package, including the removal of lead service lines, and more money to test for and fix lead in school and childcare drinking water. Moratoria on water bills have been critical during the pandemic, and we need continued work to ensure tap water affordability. But second, our improvements in our K-12 schools. And one way to accomplish this is through child nutrition program reauthorization, which is also underway in Congress right now. For example, do you think that every public school should have a water bottle filling station? The water advocates do think so. Beyond those two current opportunities for drinking water advocacy, there's an ongoing project that we've been engaged with, Mission Readiness, for many years. This is to add a symbol for drinking water to the MyPlate graphic. The MyPlate graphic is the nation's main nutrition teaching tool. And it doesn't have any information about drinking water on it. So moving forward, this is a great area to keep pushing on. 
Yeah, that's a great point, Christina, about the MyPlate graphic. And I know that that's something that several of our members have worked on with you in the past. So if any of our listeners want to learn more about our work on that issue, I will be linking a letter that Mission Readiness members sent to the USDA that talks a little bit more about that issue and some other issues related to drinking water. So we had a great opportunity to collaborate uh, a couple of years ago, we brought in Vice Admiral retired Manson Brown to talk about the importance of safe drinking water access and consumption. And it was a briefing on the Hill and just a great example of our collaboration together, both MPI and Mission Readiness. I'd love for you to share your perspective on that engagement. Sure. Jake, we worked to have a congressional briefing on drinking water, focusing on the importance of safe drinking water and access to drinking water for the nation's children. And we had um, several other speakers who talked about the health impacts of drinking sugary beverages and the need for improvements in, in drinking water infrastructure in the country. But Vice Admiral, Admiral Brown spoke about uh, the logistics of bringing drinking water to military folks in the field and liken that to the need to do the same in our nation's schools. In any case, we had over a hundred participants at the briefing, which was a great number. And I think it was an excellent way, excellent way to draw attention to drinking water. And if it hadn't been for the pandemic and a few other things like that going on in our country, we might've held another briefing already. So let's look to the future on that. Absolutely. Yeah. And you can count on us to be present again if we can be helpful to the next briefing or cause on the Hill. Ken, this one's for you. As we all know, the pandemic increased awareness about food insecurity issues across the nation and federal food programs are one of the key areas that you lead at MPI. Can you talk about how these programs played an important role during the pandemic? And from your perspective and experience, what needs to be done moving forward to strengthen investments in federal food programs? If you look at the participation numbers uh, in all the federal food programs in what used to be called food stamps, it's now called SNAP, and throughout the child nutrition programs, enormous uptick in participation as uh, particularly as schools were no longer the place where kids could come and get healthy meals. And as families sank farther and farther uh, in, into poverty because they were unable to work, uh, then this assistance uh, just became all the more critical. I, I think the impetus that came from this discovery helped something that uh, is that had just happened today, which is Monday, the 16th of August, where we've seen that USDA has announced its reevaluation of the Thrifty Food Plan which is the basis for figuring out how, how much benefits people receive from, from the food stamp program. And a bipartisan Congress in 2018 had directed USDA to complete this reevaluation of the Thrifty Food Plan. And, uh, and they have rushed to do it so that benefits that have increased during COVID would not plummet again, but would stay at roughly the same level. And by re-evaluating, recalculating these benefits, it's going to mean that across the board, uh, people will receive about 20%, maybe a little bit higher uh, in benefits than they used to before because 
the Thrifty Food Plan now takes into consideration really the way people live, how they eat, how they purchase food, how their time is, is spent, and, uh, and the ways in which food is available to them. So it's wonderful to take something that has been stuck at 1975, bring it up to 2021, and, uh, and be able to help people in the way that we say we want to help them, but have been unable to because we didn't have the mechanism to do it. So we're thrilled. And I would urge anyone who's listening to the podcast who could write a very simple note to his or her congressperson or senator to do so and let them know how pleased you are to see that people who need food are going to get it. An example of a change in the Thrifty Food Plan is that it allows folks the amount of money to buy a can of beans rather than needing to buy dried beans and soak them. That's a great example. And we appreciate you mentioning that because that announcement is one that Mission Readiness is very excited about as well. Now, my next question is one that either of you can answer depending on kind of what your thoughts are. But Jake and I are lucky enough to work with a lot of really great members at Mission Readiness. And so we really believe that they have a strong and unique perspective to offer about why early childhood programs are so important for national security. But we'd love to hear from you about your perspective on how you work with us and other allied organizations. What can our members, many of whom listen to this podcast, do to be more effective? And do you have any suggestions about how our members can make an even greater impact in the lives of children and families throughout the country? Well, Ken really alluded to something very important. Every single person is a constituent of two senators and a congressional and a house member. And so letting, letting your representatives know that things matter to you, letting them know when you're happy about something they've done, letting them know when you'd like to see more attention to something really makes a huge difference. And it's partly those personal stories from the field and it's also um, bringing the evidence base and the facts to them. I think the thing that we haven't talked about yet, but uh, I'd like to bring up for consideration is the value that uh, participation from mission readiness can make at the state and local level. No one's a more respected member of the community than, than the people who are in mission readiness. And, and for them to have a point of view that they express on issues of poverty, issues of hunger, issues of food insecurity, uh, it's just wonderful. They, there isn't anything that carries more weight. And uh, it's true at a school board meeting, it's true in a city council, true at the state legislature, certainly in California where we are. And, uh, and we know how just inestimably valuable uh, mission readiness as contribution can be. Of course, we know how much you already do with op-eds and even attending. Jake, I remember when you attended a ribbon cutting for the installation of a, a, a water bottle filling station at a school, but all of those types of activities make such a difference in elevating a subject and its importance. Thank you for those kind words and for all the work you're doing in that space. You know, it, for me, when we're able to pair our members with wonderful experts in the research that you present, I think it's the, it's the ability to move the model and put our mission into play that can make a difference and uh, take those policymakers at the local, state, or federal level to take action. So really grateful for the alliance that we've had over the years and looking forward to how we work together on the horizon. 
Before we close out, we all have an important role to play to help the next generation succeed. So we wanna know if there's one thing each of us could do that would help children lead healthier lives, what do you think it would be and why? Well, I'll go first and it's tough because there are so many things I wish for our children, books to read, green spaces to play in. But you know, for me, it really all comes down to income and the ability to afford things, things that so many of us take for granted. So I would actually focus on a living wage and equitable taxation as my top policy asks. But for myself as an individual, I'm just trying to operate with empathy and kindness all the time. And some days that's not easy. I think it's a great answer. I don't have anything to add. Well, one final question we like to ask all of our podcast guests is what books have you two been reading? I think the book I've read recently that's the most impressive to me is a novel called Girl, Woman, Other. And it was a winner of the Booker Prize, uh, I think two years ago. And it uh, tells a wonderful story of newcomers to England, but uh, is 100% applicable to all the newcomers uh, in our country and to trying to understand some of the stresses and challenges and opportunities that all of those folks are experiencing and that we're experiencing alongside them. And now for something completely different, I like to read mysteries. And recently I've been reading a series by an author in England named Penny Friedman. She's a Shakespeare scholar and an English teacher and the mysteries have an awful lot of English grammar and Shakespearean quotes in them. And I really love both of those. Well, those are some great recommendations. Thank you so much for sharing them. That's a great question. Well, Christine and Ken, it was an honor chatting with you today. And if our listeners want to learn more about you or the work that you're doing, where can they find out more about the Nutrition Policy Institute? Well, that one is easy. You can just Google Nutrition Policy Institute. And um, I also want to let you know that you can learn more about the National Drinking Water Alliance by Googling National Drinking Water Alliance. Thank you very much. And by all means, contact one of us if, if you'd like. Perfect. Thank you. And we will include all of that information in the show notes as well. Well, thank you both so much for joining us today. You both have been great allies to mission readiness, and we always really enjoy working with you and are so grateful that you took the time to join us on the podcast today. That was our pleasure. Thanks so much for asking us. Thank you very much. And thanks to all mission readiness members for all that you do on behalf of our country. Megan, that was an awesome conversation with Christina and Ken. Yeah, I'm really glad we had the opportunity to talk with them since it's been so long since we could see them in person and specifically really liked hearing from them about how important it is for Mission Readiness to continue with our advocacy and really engaging with policymakers and allied organizations on these issues in order to ensure that young people can access healthy food and drinking water. Agreed. They've just both had marvelous careers. And for us in the military, we often get thanked for our service. And it really does mean a lot. And I think we also should thank people like Christine and Ken for their dedicated service in the fields of 
research, policy, and education, as we know it's made such a huge impact on the lives of kids across California and the nation. I'm Megan Adamczewski, and this has been the Mission Readiness Podcast. Today's show was written and produced by Jake Ferreira and John Connolly. For more about Mission Readiness, Council for a Strong America, or to find an archive of every episode of the Mission Readiness Podcast, visit strongnation.org. A reminder to subscribe to the podcast, give us a positive review, and tell your friends about the program. The program is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for supporting our mission to help kids stay in school, in shape, and out of trouble.